0: Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. Sorry, we're, we're, we're a little late. I was making my uh, customary cup of coffee uh, and I ground the beans without realizing that the little thing that catches all the grounds was not in the machine, Uh-oh. which meant I had grounds all over the counter, <laughs> which goes to show why I needed to grind coffee
1: in the first place. But... <laughs> and also, I should say, Happy Chinese New Year. Yes, uh, Happy Chinese New Year. Uh, well, I mean... I
0: guess, well, technically we're kind of still in the middle of it, but yes, that was last week. So we were absent. Uh, I was absent. Um, and we appreciate our listeners' patience. And uh, we will unfortunately be uh, off next week as well. So I will be uh, traveling again. So it's just a uh, little stuff to do on the road. And um, so I appreciate our listeners' patience. I'm
1: sure. That. Yeah. On the subject of traveling and Chinese New Year, actually, my sister lives up in Beijing and... My parents were there visiting her for Chinese New Year and dad called me the night of and he FaceTimed me and it was, (laughs) I couldn't help but be reminded um, of of the coverage of like one of the Iraq wars where the reporters are in the hotels and there's just this massive bombardment (laughs) all going around. I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like a complete war zone there at the moment. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the, the tradition is there's the New Year's dragon. Um, Hmm. and, uh, and he's scared off by, by the color red, but but especially by firecrackers. So you set off firecrackers on, on New Year's. Um, so yes, it's very, it's cacophonous, I believe is the
1: word. I I would not want to be a New Year's dragon in Beijing on, uh, Chinese New Year. It was nuts. (laughs) Um, no, I actually posted, I posted like a short
0: video, um, on, on Instagram of, uh, like, Our neighbors like shooting some off, and it's kind of funny because, like, we're on a relatively re- somewhat quiet street, it gets pretty busy in rush hour. But, um, uh, you know, you're these shooting off like these, you know, bottle rocket type things that go up, you know, a good 70 80 feet in the air in the middle of like all these high rises and stuff. It's just,
1: <laughs>
0: I don't Nuts. know, I, I find it, I, I mean, you, it's it's one of those things you just get used to it and you don't even think about like how how bizarre that must seem to to other folks, but. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it I I certainly was not there while I was being FaceTimed in. I was like, wow, it is another world there right now.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so uh um in, in honor of of being Chinese New Year and talking about kind of, you know, an international perspective and stuff, I thought we'd talk about a, a primarily US issue today.
1: <laughs> Just for a change, huh? At least
0: yeah. it's not Apple. No, no Apple. Um, <laughs> Yeah, although there's a, you know, we 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 we, we,
1: ch- we can chat about Apple in our ride in the Apple car. Yeah, I'm sure we can. Oh well, will will that be will that be run by Uber or will that be run by Apple? I don't know, but we can record the episode on our Apple Watch. I'm I'm sure someone's winning at Exponent Bingo right now. <laughs>
0: um, so bingo aside, uh yeah, so um it sounds like uh I believe in 12 hours or so uh, as we're recording this by the time you listen to this, the The U.S. is expected to pass um, or the FCC FCC is going to pass the proposed net neutrality guidelines. Mm. Um, And uh, I talked about I've written about net neutrality on the site a few times. I talked about it with um, with John Nathanson on the on the shortlist checker podcast. Um, But uh, I I think I find it uh, to be. be a a fascinating topic and the reason i find it to be fascinating is because uh i kind of like any topic where it just seems so obvious is often less obvious than than it might seem and um and arguably this week there are a few things that just where what is right and what is wrong seems seems blatantly obvious and uh, Mm. it seems like an interesting place to start
1: sure uh so what are the what are the regulations for those folks who haven't been following along
0: um basically what what a lot of neutrality advocates ha- have asked for i mean there's going to be uh, a ban on on any sort of uh favoring traffic or not favoring traffic or fast lanes um uh that's that's kind of the headline um there's also language in there about um that About peering, which is peering, is kind of like behind the scenes, like how content networks connect to ISPs and like the the deals that are negotiated there. Uh, That might be stricken actually, uh, partly because it's not clear that that is under the FCC's jurisdiction. And I think there's a concern among Democrats that they want to keep that keep that out of. They want to avoid any legal problems. They want to make sure that everything's you know super tight and and will 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 live under will under review. Um, But in by and large, it's it's pretty much what uh, net neutrality advocates have asked for. And um, I'm going to go out on a limb and presume that you think this is great news.
1: Mm. I I I don't think you're too far out on a limb, but I also I suspect you're going to uh make a valid point around every choice involves trade-offs and there are trade-offs involved in net neutrality or in these proposed net neutrality laws that people aren't aware that they're making well i mean this isn't going to be anything
0: new to anyone that's been following me for a while cuz i i mean i've been i've been writing about this for a while but but yeah i mean the 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 big trade-off um for for net neutrality is uh in the us for better or worse uh all our broadband access is is privatized, mm. and um, as long as it's privatized, uh, we're kind of dependent on those private companies uh, in, you know, building new infrastructure, building new, building new throughput, making it faster, right? Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a problem because the, I mean, the U.S. the average broadband speed is is not great; it's it, it's it's behind much of the world. And kind of the argument that a lot of these telecom providers are are making is that if if um their big argument is just regulation in general will create more uh, uncertainty will make us less want to invest, but specifically with with not being able to charge for uh fast lanes or all that sort of stuff, it cuts off uh an incentive to to create new
1: create new infrastructure so let me let me ask you this so so why is the incentive removed i mean if like most of the broadband providers in the u s that uh, I've seen they offer different speeds to different users. And oftentimes people are willing to pay a big premium to like have super fast internet. So you're saying that will go away? Uh no, no, not not at all. I'm just I, I just general so
0: a big problem in the US is uh well for one, I mean the US is very large. Uh and and to build up the sort of infrastructure to improve broadband to make it faster, uh Is a challenge. It costs a lot of money. It's a very Mm -hmm. high capital thing, and so kind of the argument for regulation is that this is a natural monopoly. Like whoever builds it out first uh, has such a head start from a capital invested perspective that it doesn't make it doesn't make sense for new entrants, right? Because the marginal cost of adding a new user is basically zero, but the fixed costs are massive. And so, if anyone wants to enter, well, whoever's there can just lower their prices. They're, they're, the thing with fixed costs is fixed costs uh, depend on scale. You can mm-hmm. afford, so the more customers you have, the more you can spread those fixed costs across your customer base, right? So, if you spend a uh, hundred million dollars and you have a hundred million customers, mm-hmm. well, it. It costs you basically a dollar per customer. The problem is, if you have 50 million customers, you still have to pay 100 million dollars. So now it's two dollars per customer. So you're at you're at a fundamental disadvantage. And if you go from 100 million to 150 million by customers, but you still have 100 million, now you're spending you know 75 cents per customer. So right. so base and so this is this is a super important like logic to understand. So this is this is kind of the logic that that underscores the whole horizontal versus vertical business model thing. Like if you're something like Google or Facebook, where the vast majority of your costs are fixed costs. It's, it's all the stuff on the back end. It's, it's not just R&D and your, your engineers, but also the, the, the massive data centers, all the, all the broadband you pay for. Um, you're paying that regardless. So it's in your economic interest to have as many customers as possible, which is why it would never make sense for Google to to cut off iOS users, for example that, that mm, totally. then and it's it's the same thing with advertising too advertising scales right so if you build up all the tools and you build up all the inventory um the the more the, if you can spread it across more users it's much more cost effective and it's also more attractive to advertisers right because for what for the same amount of effort they can reach that many more people so this is when you hear people talking about scale or talking about that sort of stuff th- this is where it matters and it matters in the case of of broadband because um you know to cover a neighborhood, to add on one more person within that neighborhood doesn't really cost anything. It's the actual covering of the neighborhood that that is really expensive. If
1: and that and makes sense. yeah, and I, I I think there's an argument also to be made that uh, I mean competition is generally good, but the idea that you're going to duplicate infrastructure like this just like you're going to run broadband fiber well you're going to run fiber to all these places and then you're going to ask another company to come along and run exactly the same fiber right out the front it it's like running two separate road systems it doesn't make a lot of sense right right exactly um and so uh the way the way broadband kind
0: of in, in, in a big picture developed in the US was one obviously was the the telephone I was gonna say companies, but it was really company at and T, which had like mm-hmm. a total monopoly on the u s, um built out all that infrastructure. And the other one was the cable companies. So the way cable came about was uh, um, basically, you know, there was always over the air broadcasts, but it turned out there are a lot of places where it wasn't very convenient or possible to get over the air. So companies would build a company antenna, basically to capture the signal and then run cable from that antenna to apartment buildings and houses and things like that where, where it was difficult to get a signal. And that's where the cable business kind of started. Obviously since then it's expanded greatly to have, you know, to become what it is today. But but to get that built out, uh basically companies would do deals where they 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 would um they would help a comp- a company, a private company build that out, get them right away uh eminent domains they could, you know, take over you know property to put on you know mm-hmm. the, the cable and, and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff and in, in exchange they 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 got a monopoly they got a monopoly in two ways they got a monopoly one because the company gave it to them but but two they got it because once it's built like it doesn't make any economic sense as you said to build to build a second one and and so what the company's so got more specifically even if someone wanted to build something the the they got to own the wires. They didn't have to share the wires. So the way it works uh, in a lot of other countries, on the other hand, it, like in Taiwan, for example, is I have multiple internet providers I can choose from that run over the same cable. Like, mm-hmm. And so the the service provider is separate from the infrastructure provider. Um, and then uh, usually service providers will, either it's provided by the government and it's paid for with taxes or it's done by a private company and they get to skim some percentage, usually a regulated percentage, off of anyone that runs on top of them.
1: Right. And so, so I guess when you make the point earlier on about me being a proponent of net neutrality, you being out on a limb when you really weren't being out on a limb, I think what what is underlying my uh, agreement with that idea is that I also agree with the idea that there should be A, uh, we should recognise that there's there's this is a naturally monopoly a natural monopolistic situation, and the one thing worse than a public monopoly is a private monopoly. And I I I'm realise I'm probably off in you know ideal land here a little bit dreamland if you want to call it this. But I I I think as part and parcel of this net neutrality stuff, it would be way better if there was just one someone preferably the government owns the cable and is responsible for the cable or it sets up an an entity to own the cable and regulates it like what's hap- what's happened in Taiwan. That just makes so much more sense because you don't want two cables running to everybody's house and you like it, it just private monopolies around this stuff are not necessarily good things right and and the and the advantage is if you have multiple services
0: on one cable, the services can compete amongst themselves. So one service, for example, can say, Oh, we guarantee net neutrality. Another one can say, Oh, we have cheaper rates because, because if you, because some companies are paying, basically subsidizing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it basically the market will shake out net neutrality. Um, as opposed to the government kind of kind of mandating it, if that makes right.
1: sense. Right. So letting competition exist on top of the infrastructure, and you had a you had a fantastic article on this. Uh, gosh, back in the beginning of 2014, and you you lay out the um, the trade offs. There's there's uh, there's a trilemma involved, right? So you can have you can have two of these three things, but you can't have all three. You can have continual investment in faster and more accessible broadband. Non-discriminatory treatment of data or unlimited access. So those are your three. Pick two. Right. And and I think I think the underlying assumption behind a lot of net neutrality advocates in the states is they think they can get all three, but it's an impossible trinity. Well, I'd say it's not that they think they can get all three; it's that they uh, too many don't really
0: think about right. it at all. Right. Okay, that's and, fair. And I, when I say something like, "Oh." Companies aren't incentivized to invest in in more broadband because they can't do this. I often get the reply that, "Oh, give me a break." That's just you know, it's it's kind of like a you're just making that up sort of thing. Um, But I guess my 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 question is like at the at the end of the day, if you're a private company and you have to answer to to shareholders, you have to write a certain return. Like, why? Like, I I actually think the burden of proof lies on on anyone who would argue they're going to invest out of the goodness
1: of their hearts. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 <laughs> you, they've spent all the money to lay the cable. They have no competition or very little competition. Why are they going to throw a whole bunch of money to invest in it f- when, when there's no competition? This is, this is why private monopolies are terrible things. And that's what's happened to like broadband internet all over the United States. Right, exactly. And so...
0: Um, so, if that's the case, so I think one thing, so definitely they were they were thinking about um, uh, having these. So, so the thing with the good thing, what's great about from a ISP perspective, what's great about a um, the 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 people who use a lot of data can pay for it. So, for example, they can charge Netflix to to have a fast lane, or they can charge Google or charge Amazon. What's so attractive about that is. The cust the customer always ultimately pays, but it's it's hidden, right? And so you can offer the customer, oh, use as much data as you want. I think right now your typical broadband connection to the US has a limit of like three hundred gigabytes a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's higher. I can't remember. But basically, you, for most people, you can use as much as you want, um, and and you don't need to you don't need to worry about it. You need to to monitor your usage or whatever, and. And what happens is, if they can get Netflix to pay for access, well, then Netflix has to raise their prices or reduce their profits or whatever it might be. And if Netflix raises their prices, well, who's paying higher prices? The the customer is. But the customer doesn't, most customers aren't going to draw a line from their payment to Netflix to Netflix payment to an ISP. And so, from an ISP perspective, that's great. That's fantastic, and it's fantastic for two reasons: one, they don't blame the ISP, and two, they don't limit their usage, right? So they keep using more, and mm-hmm. so allowing the ISP to continue to charge charge
1: for that. Yeah, and and this is where you start getting into a really nasty, perverse world, like what you've just described, where where the cost is kind of hidden from the 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 provide the person who's using doesn't pay the provider, but rather it gets the the cost gets passed along to a third party and I, I would make the observation that america seems to be a country that's an expert in this cuz th- what you just described kind of reminded me of the healthcare system as well
0: that's that, it's a it's a great example um you know so the problem with the healthcare system is most people don't really like they their employer pays their healthcare costs they just go to the doctor they might pay like 25 bucks or something but then they they get all they get the doc they get there's tons of optional services they'll take them all why not it's free Mm. right but it's not free it's paid for by someone eventually and this is a huge reason why the us healthcare costs are are so out of control relative to other other places is there's 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 neither government oversight to keep it down you know and all the pluses and minuses that entails mm. um but there's also no incentive to keep it down so i mean do you know you might know this james but like what is the most efficient healthcare provider or in the U S uh, isn't it Medicare by a huge margin. And the reason is, is because, uh, it has that, that government oversight, right? Um, I would imagine, you know, if there were a theoretical system where there was true competition and people were truly seeing the cost of what they did, that would be even more efficient. I I grant you that there's obviously limitations in government efficiency, but, um, Given the fact that that's not going to exist for a whole host of reasons, mm-hmm. um, one of which is that uh, health care by its very nature, uh, you know, benefits from socialism for a better for a better way of putting it. Because we, you, I mean, if I get in a car accident tomorrow, like I, I you can't price that in the best way to take care of that is everyone pays a little bit right And the outliers. Like the, the thing with healthcare is, whoever uses healthcare is getting the best deal. Whoever doesn't use it is getting screwed. Like that's just that's just the way it is. But that if we care about our fellow humans to the point where we think that everyone should have healthcare, then it's kind of the most efficient way to go.
1: Right. right. I, I. I. Yes. I. I mean. I. I You'll get no argument from me about that. I, we
0: we, we will I from we will from a lot of our readers though. Yeah. Our well,
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to getting that that feedback. But there, I mean, there's. I mean, but there are other perverse incentives when you start thinking about this problem of letting the ISPs decide around the peering stuff, and that is like you you look at an organization like Comcast who makes so much money out of their cable television, and they see a disruptive entrant coming in like Netflix, and They because uh, or 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 you're a um you're an uh let's say you're AT and T providing uh, phone services and ADSL and you see people using Skype you're able to see these disruptive services emerge and attack high margin products that you have and you're able to you're able to mess with the ability of Uh, of these companies to deliver the services to their users, you're effectively able to stifle disruptive innovation. And I think that's a terrible thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I think uh, what's interesting though is in some respects, um, I think the Netflix one is particularly interesting because you could argue that um, Netflix is, uh, is great for Comcast. And as Comcast business shifts more and more to, to, Data to, to broadband. You know, last month, Comcast added something like, or last quarter, like 6,000 new video customers, like some infinitesimal number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they added like 300,000 new customers, the vast majority of which were, were data. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm pulling this off the top of my head, the earnings were yesterday, but it's, it's something like that. Um, Netflix drives a ton of data uses, right? And so if there's a way they could find, like, and so arguably that's that you could. That's good for them. Yeah,
1: but I'd say that the reason that Comcast is letting that happen is because they've put a peering arrangement in place with Netflix, such that Netflix Netflix is paying them. Now, let's let's say there wasn't, uh, Net, <laughs> let's say Netflix wasn't willing to uh, pay the mafia off to to run. I mean, to run over the pipes. Um, and the ISPs weren't willing to charge their customers more. You go back to you go back to the scenario that that existed back when Netflix started to emerge as a disruptive threat to Comcast or whoever whoever it is as cable uh, cable television subscriptions, and they just deprioritize the traffic to the point at which it becomes an unusable service. Well, here is the question: Why, why, like, why are we so quick to defend
0: Netflix? I mean, because if if I'm live on some block um say i live in san francisco or whatever mm-hmm. i don't use netflix i i mm-hmm. don't watch really watch tv um which is the case for me um basically uh every night my internet slows down it gets worse because everyone else is using netflix yet i'm paying the same price as everybody else
1: like i'm basically subsidizing my neighbor's use of Netflix, no. Yeah, but, but that's because of the the perverse way that's it's emerged. Like in, it, the way this should work is that you get a download allowance of three hundred gigabytes. Your neighbor does as well, and how you choose to use that three hundred gigabytes should be of no concern to anybody but you. But I, I see this is where I start to kind of
0: like to be queer. Before I start, like I'm in favor of net neutrality, uh, but I'm in favor with with. Hesitations, including some of them, which is one, one right here. Like wow. I, I dis, I disagree with that. Like I, I, um, and I think this is a trade-off that I think is going is is inevitable. It's going to result from this. Like, no, why should you and I have to pay the same price when you're using five to ten times as much bandwidth as I am? Like, the reality is, I want a super fast internet for me to. Read text for the most part, and you want superfast internet to download video. Like, uh-huh. why should we be charged the same when the reality is is your needs and your use and utilization
1: of the infrastructure is far greater than mine is? I mean it's it, it's a it's a re- it's a very reasonable question. Um, so, so. <sighs> All right, let let me let me turn it around and I'll I'll recruit you in helping me to answer it. Let's say that we were operating in a in a perfect market where um so so right now the way that ISPs d- differentiate charging, some do it based on bandwidth and some do it based on download capacity. Like between those two elements, would that be enough differentiation such that you want to fast internet, even though you're using text, and I want it for using video? Is it between like with in a perfect market with those two levers for customers to decide what they want? Would that be would you consider that a more fair scenario? Or you, is the point that you're making that even in that scenario, the Netflix user is still degrading your experience? I'll tell you exactly what I
0: think is a fair scenario and where uh-huh. I think that broadband under these net net neutrality regulations will go. And that's wireless. Like you can use as much data as you want on wireless, but you're going to pay for the privilege. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is that people hate that. They hate it. And they, 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 they chin moan about their carriers and their limitations and all this sort of stuff. When
1: actually it's 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 rather equitable i i would i would agree but i i would also say that i'm willing to pay a pre- so i i think that's absolutely right i think and in an ideal world that's exactly what should happen on the on the the landline one that if people want more downloads they should pay for more downloads now there's another factor at work which is people don't want to feel like they need to use the internet and they have to think about how much they're paying like yeah, I, I would be I am willing to pay a premium for an unlimited plan, so I don't have to think about it anymore. But I think that's a that's more of a consumer side thing and a mentality thing where the reason people hate it is that they don't know how much their bill's gonna be every month. No, that, that's that, that's exactly right. But my 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 point and my contention and what I think that people
0: aren't thinking about is that I in the abs or with net neutrality and with this mm-hmm. closing off of one route for yeah. uh, ISPs to make money and to make money in a way that customers are that isn't visible to customers, like we're they're yeah. gonna get squeezed more and more into making money in a way that is visible to customers. And Which is, I, 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 I I I and basically anyone who is a huge net neutrality advocate and in the same breath complains about their their pricing or based on usage,
1: uh, I just don't have much patience for because I don't think that is the trade-off. That's the trade-off right there. Yeah, I mean like that's the that is then that is the, the perfect way of articulating the trilemma in a way that people will feel it in their stomach like oh shit, now I understand what I'm arguing for. It, there is a certain amount of pipe coming into my home. And coming into all of our homes. And if we want, if everyone gets unlimited pipe, it's just gonna be like any limited resource, it's gonna start slowing down. It's not gonna work properly. Right. So, 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 the, so we want
0: them to build a
1: bigger pipe, right? But, but how do they, what's the incentive to build a bigger pipe? Well, they've gotta make money out of it. So what they're gonna do is exactly what you describe, which is what, what happens over the air, which is they're gonna charge based on usage. But I actually think. That's a fairer way of doing things.
0: I completely agree. My 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 primary contention is that I I strongly urge anyone who blindly supports net neutrality to question if they've really thought this through, because that's what you're signing up for. And and in the kind of like I just feel the way neutrality has been presented in tech circles, especially, it's been just this. It's been presented as an obvious good right and 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 i don't know if people have thought through the implications and there's deeper implications than just personal annoyance like we we live and work in tech right we it's in our industry's interest that people don't worry about bandwidth right yeah. we 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 don't want people thinking about and monitoring their internet usage we want them to, to be free to do whatever they want and to and to use more services more services download more stuff mm. but as an industry we are mobilizing we're mobilizing in favor of something where the the a very high potential trade-off mm-hmm. is that we are hurting ourselves in the long run from an economic perspective. Again, I personally think it is worth it. I support yeah, I support I these regulations. I just I'm just,
1: just curious to know how many people have really appreciated what they're supporting. I I totally agree. I mean from from an industry perspective, this is definitely the lesser of two evils. It would be better for for people, for the people to decide what's worth paying for, than have the ISPs decide what people it, what people are allowed to see at a reasonable speed. I think that's a much better that's a, a that's a it's a much better system. But there is definitely the trade off of like, okay, if you don't want the ISPs doing this to you, you're going to have to pay for the privilege.
0: And this is why, like, if, like. You read about the the stories about lobbying and stuff, right? It's all the small guys that were lobbying, right? Like Etsy and Tumblr and stuff. And Tumblr's pretty big, but but and they talk about, oh, but Amazon and Google sat on the sidelines. Of course they did, because customer reticence to use the internet, however it may arise, is terrible news for Google, right? It's terrible news for Amazon. Um, because they've already made it. They can afford to pay, right? So from a Google perspective, uh, a non net neutrality world is better because you can afford it. Mm. And and small wonder they sat on the sideline, right? Mm-hmm. And and oh, by the way, I'd encourage anyone that thinks you know Google is all white and sunshine to to wonder why they did that. Like they're a business like anyone else, and and if I were in their shoes, I'd probably
1: do the same thing. Um, but that is that is more than anything else. That is an indication that the net neutrality, th- to my mind, that that is more an indication that the net neutrality laws that are going to get passed are a good thing because I will always favor law, like whenever, whenever you start having laws favoring incumbents, I think it's, it's a recipe for bad things to start. Oh,
0: I, I, yeah, I completely agree. Just to be
1: clear. I I completely agree. I'm just pointing out this stuff. No, I, it's, I, you, you got me to feel it in a way that I conceptually understood it, but listening to you, like the way you use that Netflix example to illustrate it to me is like the, the best, the best way anyone has done that yet and i felt it like i really did so i i think he did a good job what's interesting though is um
0: uh th- this will be this will be the the end game i think where metered usage like if, if we get to that but what's interesting is i think you're going to see lots of attempts to continue to shield customers from from responsibility for paying for this so <laughs> and i think we saw something like that uh last week where um AT&T has this new gigabit service. Uh, gigabit up and down, I think. Something like that. and It's rolled out in Kansas City. And um, it is, I believe, what, 71 or $70? $70, uh, mm-hmm. Unless you want them to... No, sorry. That's not the way to put it. It's, it's, it's $99. It's $99. Um, but if you don't want AT&T to track your usage and send you targeted... Uh, offers like through email or direct mail or whatever it might be, which I think is how they're going to be delivered. I don't think they're actually going to be inserting stuff, but maybe they will. Um, then you need to uh, if you're willing to tolerate that, sorry, if you're willing to tolerate that, uh, or if, sorry, <laughs> if you would like your user experience enhanced by receiving these offers oh tailored gosh. to you, uh, you can get a <laughs> discount on your monthly service of $29. Um, so you can get it for $70 a month instead of $99 a month. Um, which, which, I mean, if you think about it, they're getting faster service and how are they going to pay for it? Well, they're going to pay for it through selling ads. Um, and oh, if, if um, I mean,
1: well, first off, how do you feel about this, James? I mean, I think you know how I feel. I think you know which I, I, I think the biggest problem for a lot of tech folks with the advertising and choosing whether to pay for it is the. the the friction in going from a free service to paying to make ads go away is a tough one. Like, oh, I'm going to put my credit card details into Google to make all the ads go away and then stop tracking me. But when it comes to something like my ISP watching me and I'm already paying and it's an extra 20 bucks to make it all go away, I, I mean, I know what I would do. I would I would pay to not have like AT&T watching over my shoulder, seeing everything that I'm surfing and then selling that information to advertisers and like, who knows where that date ends up. I, I just find the whole thing friggin' creepy.
0: Well, I mean, a, a lot of the weeding voices on Net Neutrality are outraged that at and is doing this. Like, they, 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 like, not that like, oh, um, they can pay more. They're like, this, the FCC should ban this too.
1: I mean, I, I, I would actually tend to... I mean, this is that this is a point of view thing. This is like free markets, like whether you let regulation, whether you think there should be regulation or not. But like it comes back to what we were just talking about. If 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 the FC, I'm I'm personally in favor of it. I don't necessarily think people entirely understand what's happening with all this all this, you know, when an ISP's tracking you and it just feels so big brother when an ISP tracks you. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do and they're making an informed choice, in which case, fine. But understand that, again, what you're arguing for when you say FCC should ban it, it's like, okay, at and is going to have no choice but to start introducing meted plans and find some other way of, of, um, of generating revenue out of their users. Right. No, exactly. I, and I, again, I'm just I I'm I'm sympathetic
0: to the saying that this shouldn't be allowed at all, just because um it's it it feels very problem like I, I do fall on the side of believing that um the internet is a utility. Um it's a right in as much as like electricity is, is a right. I mean a different I'm not saying like free speech right, but like a everyone ought to have uh access to this. And it it troubles me that something that is essential, um, you know, can be used in this way. Um, on on the on the flip side, uh, if if we're entrusting this to private companies and we're cutting off the ways that those private companies can monetize, like I, I just I just see this as just being a natural outcome of what's going on like if if we're going to squeeze yeah. off one way to make money then that's going to squirt out to another place and yeah. and we can keep squeezing places but we're going to get to the end where either one customers are going to pay more uh or two um we're just going to keep having crappy broadband
1: no i agree i mean the, my i guess my broader frustration with all of this is um i feel like this is this is a I mean, it's partly a cultural thing, and I'm probably going to get flack for it. But I feel like this is the result of absconding from hard decisions. And the absconding from the hard decision is exactly what you just described, which is this is a utility. The government should pay for it. And if the government rolled out decent broadband or regulated a private company to do it in the same way that Taiwan has, we wouldn't need to have these conversations because, I, I mean this is the parallel i draw and i'm going to use colorful australian language like how would you feel if the sewerage company started testing people's fecal matter and selling that to the insurance companies so they could adjust premiums like that would everybody would freak out and in the in the same way that that the plumbing is a utility internet is a utility people gain access to all that information from it and it shouldn't it shouldn't be such that unless you have the capacity to pay more, to make, uh, to make, to buy privacy that you get it. Like I, I, just, I, I don't like that world. Well,
0: there's one, there's one other interesting. I love, I love, yeah. I love the analogy. It's fantastic. I should, I should stop <laughs> in there and just to acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> the other thing is like, there's, there's a lot of people saying, oh, this is great. Uh, um, we're putting a price on, on privacy and like you, now you can, you can pay to get it. Um, the 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 trouble is, I mean, well, you made a good point. Number one, this is different than like buying out of ads on Google or Facebook. Which one? Um, there's just the practical matter of people. Get, no one wants to actually get out a credit card. That's a huge, huge barrier. Um, right. But two, it's also a it, it's not plausible, and it's not plausible because of what it's talking The advertising works at scale. One and two, the most attractive customers would self select out of there, right? Mm. And so, Google and Facebook will never. Would would it it wouldn't make any sense for them to do this? Whereas with the AT and T thing, like you're already paying, right? It's just a question of how much you're paying, and, and and so I actually think it's fair. I don't think it's corporate speak. I think it's fair for AT and T to frame this as being as as being a discount. Um, the the problem though is when you do this, when you put, when you say okay, you can buy your way out. Like it, it seems pretty inequitable, right? Um, like why is it that uh, you know, again, I guess you could we could get back into Uber and stuff here, but like, why is it that some people should have privacy, but some people shouldn't? Like, it's is privacy a luxury good, or should it be a right? I guess is is the question.
1: I I'm inclined to think it should be a right, but I think that the way that we're heading the the way that we're heading in the world right now is that it's becoming a luxury good and. And uh, I, I don't know whether it's I'm sure there's some extent to which that more educated folks are more aware of the issue um, but it's also the fact that they can afford to make this um, they can they can afford to ma- to make this issue go away I remember reading this article and I th- I, I can dig it up it was on Forbes I think um, about the virtue those crazy expensive um, handheld those crazy expensive phones that are basically Nokia's but with like diamonds and stuff for keys. And uh, I remember reading something around um Virtu polling their customers and asking what what the what what features they wanted. And the number one feature from high net worth customers has been secure communications. I like that just stuck with me. And this idea that privacy is becoming a luxury that people have to pay for I, I think it's it's just It's gathering pace, and I'm not. Again, I'm not sure I like it. I'm not sure that only those people who are able to afford to pay extra, such that 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 whoever it is wants to see exactly what they're doing, like I just I don't want to live in that world. I, I don't think it's a good place. Well, um, the 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 problem though is
0: if it is a right, then that removes it as a money making avenue. And yeah, if you remove it as a money-making avenue, then this whatever is funded by those services, whether it be Google or Facebook or uh your your ISP, now become more expensive. And if they become more expensive, then people yeah. who are poor can't use it. So so now you have there's actually a tension now between privacy and like access. We've now stated that internet access should be a right, and now we think that privacy should be a right. Um like
1: this is the trouble with rights; is they sometimes conflict. Carry costs, yes. Well, it's not just ca- conflict; they carry costs. And I mean, I, 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 um, the way in which you're you're locking me down is exactly the way in which I think you're expressing frustration at the way that net neutrality people aren't locking, being pushed pushed to understand exactly what they're advocating for. And I think you're exactly right to keep pushing me. I think. I think the privacy the privacy thing is uh, is well the access thing is most important like I if if I had to pick one it's better to give people access to the internet even if they're kind of being spied on and everybody knows that that's happening that's better than no access at all but I I I think that in a I am inclined to agree that the the privacy thing it's, yeah, I mean, you got me, right? Like, how, how can you say that you can't, Google can't sell ads? Because how would they provide search? Like, search would only be provided on a, funded on a, uh, a, a cost per click basis for search. Like, it, it, it makes no sense. I, I guess, I guess well, there's uh, types, wait. there's types of privacy that's more acceptable to be compromised than others. And I'm sure you're going to skewer me for saying no, that. no. I mean, I, 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 I mean,
0: it's one of those things where there's not answers. I think you you provided the the key answer, which is you just said you would prioritize without in so many words, you would prioritize yeah. access over privacy, and right. that's that that's that's good. It's I mean, and what's good is not that you chose one or the other; it's that you chose. Yeah, and and I think it's it's this choosing that is um. There's a one people don't like to make choices, but two, I think both. Companies and the government and politicians don't don't want people to know they're making choices. You know what I mean? Like they they yeah. they they try to obscure it. And um and I guess that that's what's you know that and in general, people tend to look at any one issue or any one problem in a with a too yes, in an isolation, too narrow of a frame of reference, right? And and so often you don't really see what's going on unless you back out. And you back out and you look at it from from a, a global perspective, not global from a the world global, but from a the entire problem space. Right. And and I guess this more than anything, I guess the takeaway here is not that there's a solution; it's that it's so hard to operate, and it's so hard to actually, I think, provide have a meaningful opinion. The like, I feel like your your opinion and your point of view. Is more valuable the less sure you are about it and because everything like like you there's so much doubt like you're not you're you're, right now you're not sure you're kind of trying to scratch and claw for something that that makes that make lets it make sense but there's so much that and i think particularly we have a technical audience right and people are probably more inclined than your general than your average person to want things to fit together to, to to go from a to b to c to d um but it, the reality is, the world is like is like quantum. It's like quantum mechanics, right? And like like Einstein, like this most this brilliant physicist. You know what did he say about quantum mechanics? Right? Like he 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 struggled with it because he, like he didn't want to accept that God was playing dice with the universe, basically.
1: <laughs>
0: and but that's that's the way anything yeah. that involves humans and stuff. It's it's dice, and and it's not dice in a like who knows what's going to happen. It's dice in a, it's very gray and it's okay to hold conflicting opinions within yourself mm-hmm. and to conflict with others. Like everything's not black and white and people just ev- always want everything to be so
1: certain. We could rename Exponent to like the Grey Zone or something. Okay. While while you've been talking, I've been thinking about this, and I I th- I think where the line gets drawn for me is it's fine to watch people when you're opting into a a, a software service. Um, so if I use Google and they want to they want to sell me ads, and I, that's fine. If I want to use Gmail and I know that they're going to look at my email, that's fine. I guess where I have more of a problem with the the idea that an isp getting to see everything that you're doing particularly when you can't opt out that's where i start to get that's where i start reacting a little bit more i guess and you know you hear stories of facebook planning drones to like circle over the planet like the idea that an advertising company is going to provide internet access really really gets the hairs on my neck to stand up
0: yeah and I i think that's fair i mean um like i said there you, it's not it's okay to have opinions on this it's just i encourage you to think deeper um i think one uh, one other interesting kind of privacy related story and security is um the thing with lenovo last week uh, so um as is well documented and apple's made like advertisements about this stuff uh, pcs tend to come with a bunch of crapware on them
1: or bloatware or, or um trial software or whatever 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 you want to call it Wait, Ben. What you want to call it is you, your experience is being enhanced. That's what yes, you want to call it. Yes, your user experience is being enhanced, exactly. Which is what <laughs> Lenovo said. Um,
0: so I did. I did write about all this in, in, in the update. I also was on uh, this week in Tech last week where I talked about it. So I, I feel I always feel sheepish about talking about too much stuff. I wrote about no, it. No, no, no. Not
1: uh, everybody like, listens and reads. Right. So, um, going.
0: So, uh, so basically, what happened was was they will, they, these will come with them like. 10 to 20 or however many stuff. Um, And the OEM is paid by whoever installs the stuff on there. And so that's, and that's actually how they make most of their profit. Like most, most hardware in the consumer market is sold at cost and they make money on on these these add-ins, whether it be and they, they're different things. Some they are paid by install. Some are pay per registration, like someone actually uses it. Others are like a revenue share over time. Um, actually, when I when I worked at Windows uh, in the, in the App Store, this was something we dealt with, and so I I actually know a bit about this space. Um, <laughs> unlike other spaces, no. Uh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> um, so what happened was was basically Lenovo installed this thing from a company called Superfish uh, that had. Uh, a few problems. <laughs> One, the kind of <laughs> the small problem was it was basically injecting ads. So you could be on a web page and there would be an ad there that wasn't served by the web page. It was served by Superfish. And I presume they were doing some sort of revenue. Sh- I bet it was a revenue share with Lenovo where you know they shared the ad revenue. um but I, I I don't know the details of it. Um the bigger problem though, was the way they did this was basically by doing a man- in the middle attack where they were they installed a. A SSL certificate on the computer that intercepted and they intercepted calls the, the website, used their own certificate instead of the website certificate, and and basically authenticated like their you know the, you can read a technical definition, but that's what allowed them to stick it into web pages without without it seeming like a security problem, right? And your browser wouldn't know about it, wouldn't warn you or anything like that, and so that's why it's a better user experience because you're not getting pop ups saying like someone is inserting stuff into your web page. Um, <laughs> The problem is that once you've compromised in that way, like that's a very gaping vulnerability for anyone else to insert themselves in as well. And which you can once you're inserted, once you're in the middle of a of what the computer thinks, what the OS thinks is a secure transaction, um, you can do all kinds of stuff. You could direct someone to a third party website and accept credit cards. You could like there's just a whole host of bad things that you could inject code. Mm-hmm. There's a whole host of bad things that could happen. Um, and this was discovered, and
1: obviously, uh, it was a very bad thing, and, and Lenovo was was very widely condemned. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of unsurprisingly, but uh, and this is interesting, it, it kind of ties back to our conversation last week around Apple and integration and modularity, right? Like, and and even what we've been talking about right now, like these guys have to make money somehow. Right. Well, I mean, so this is why I, I definitely wanted to mention it I, on Twitter. Like, I,
0: I, uh, I, I did say it to be like, this is a bad thing. Lenovo deserves to be condemned, and I think it's one of those things where if you say one thing and then you go another direction, people kind of think like you didn't actually mean it because you didn't spend much time on it. Like, no, it's it's a bad thing. Lenovo deserves all the scorn and threats of boycotts and all the sort of stuff that's that's coming down to them. This is they did a very bad thing to their customers. And their customers would not know that this happened to them. Like they were being exposed to, to a massive vulnerability through no fault of their own. Um, period. Like, it's a bad period. thing. Period. Gotcha. Um, what's fascinating, though, and, and I guess what I was trying to tease out poorly, is it's is kind of inevitable that this happened. And the reason why it's inevitable is it goes back to why do these things even exist in the first place? They exist in the first place because there's really no money to be made in PCs. And why is there no money made in PCs? Because they've been modularized. Microsoft has put themselves in the place for 30 years now where they harvest all the profits, right? People, uh, someone made this comment on the forums. I think it was very well put. Like everyone says, PCs are low margin. PCs are very high margin. It's Just that Microsoft is taking all the margin, right? Right. It's very true. And um, and. and and what they did was a classic strategy. They 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 um, commoditized their complements, which basically they turned the actual hardware into a commodity, forced them to compete amongst themselves. And if if they had no point of differentiation, if there's no differentiation, what do you do? It's a race to the bottom we'll, to have the lowest prices. Um, and so you have all these OEMs, a lot of which have exited the market. Um, other ones are just scraping by with like prof, like gross profit margins of like less than 10%, which is ridiculous. Um, and... And so that's why they do these deals. Now the problem is, I'm sure when I actually believe Lenovo, they didn't they didn't catch this, right? And you come back and say, well, they should have caught it. Like, how can they not pay attention? They're incompetent. And I agree. But like the thing with incentives is they're not like it's not like you're holding up a bag of money, not running towards it, right? Incentives act on you subconsciously. And and Lenovo was incentivized to make sure that this software worked as they said it worked and then ship it they weren't incentivized to find reasons why the software didn't work or why the yeah, software and, was bad because if they if they identified Superfish was bad they wouldn't get the deal right and i don't think they thought this way but they did think this way
1: i mean i i i, I totally get what you're saying i I'm hoping, and it's speculation, that they probably did try and check for basic security issues. Oh no, I, 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 think, I think they
0: did, but they, they 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 didn't.
1: They clearly didn't check well, well enough. I mean, right. And I think you're partly right. They're incented not to check, and this is, <laughs> I'm, I, 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 it's reminding me of something else. These garages that do smog tests all around the U.S. Like the idea that you pay a private party to do smog tests, like if if the sm- <laughs> nobody's going to go to the garage that fails people's cars for smog tests like it kind of blows my mind and it's it's also <laughs> reminding me of the credit rating companies who who um have the companies who they're rating pay them right yeah
0: no it, 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 that, that that that's exactly and this is a super subtle point and so i i think you just made it well with the garage thing like Lenovo is is if Superfish passes their security check Lenovo gets paid so they're incentivized to they're incentivized to make sh- not to make sure that it passes, but it's a good thing if it's a good thing if it passes. And so what that means is they look for uh, they'll look for obvious bad things, and they have mm. a suite of tests, right? But
1: mm. it's not going to catch everything, and I mean. The other thing, your point is really well made around like some of these guys have gross margins of less than ten percent. Like they, they they can hardly even afford to hire a sophisticated, a big proper, sophisticated team to check all these things. It's gonna like they just can't afford to do it. Right? Yeah, that's another great
0: point. And so I think where I got in trouble and a lot of people got little upset with me with the twit thing, um, just based on email and, and Twitter and stuff like that, was um, I kind of took it a next step. And the next step was what's interesting well, with the Lenovo thing. I like it
1: when you take it the next step. <laughs> what's interesting <laughs> with the Lenovo
0: thing is uh, is ThinkPads, like the ones that they sell to businesses, didn't have the software installed. Um, turns out ThinkPads are also much more expensive, right? Uh, oh. And and my kind of my my contention was yes, like, number one, Lenovo is to blame. It should be blamed, like full stop. They did a bad thing. Number two, if you look at it systematically, like this is in the big picture Microsoft's fault because um, Microsoft has constructed the PC world such that they would harvest all the profits and, and their manufacturers would, would compete with each other to the bottom. And the thing is that, 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 that that's a good thing. And like so many more people got computers because mm. they became so cheap. And and so that's a good thing. It's like the internet thing, like more people having access. It's a great thing. Um, The problem is that uh, in the heyday of the PC, you could make money on, you could make money in the high end because because computers were advancing so quickly. You could sell last year's model super cheap and this year's model at a huge premium and people would buy this year's model because the performance difference was so huge. But now that that premium has gone away, like no one can make money on the high end. So it's just, it's all stuck at the low end. And like there's an aspect of, we just go out and buy the cheapest thing, and and, it, it it's like in our, we love free and we love cheap, and when we love free and we love cheap, sometimes we get what we pay for, and that if you draw it out far enough, you know, why haven't we asked enough questions about why PCs are so cheap? Why why, why do we always go into the store and buy the cheapest one?
1: Um, well, I, I I mean I I. I I want to, I'll push on you a little bit. Like this is where AT&T at least is to be commended, right? Where they're they're making it explicit why the service is cheaper versus more expensive. I think, I think the problem is there's this hidden cost involved in a PC. I'm going to, Bring back my mum into exponent, hi, mum, I know you're listening. so hello and I, also she uses a Mac. I won't let her use a PC for exactly this reason, but someone like my mum would walk into a store and they wouldn't have the sophistication to understand that there's this software that's been installed on the cheap PC that's going to that may have a vulnerability that may expose all her credit card details and everything else. she's just going to think, oh, it's a cheap PC, it's not going to be very fast. That's good enough for me. Like, I don't need a fast computer. I think the big problem here is that the that, that the the cost is hidden, and that's where things start getting really nasty. No, I agree, and I think this is where, and
0: this is where I, I think the criticism of of the way, like, I just got really worked up about this on the podcast. And I think it was fair to to push back on me, and it was fair on a, on a few things. One, um, yeah, customers just don't know the like, and why should they? Right, I I've railed many times that uh, we people use PCs or use phones because they need them, not because they want to get into the nitty gritty. Right. And so I'm kind of being a hypocrite by, by suggesting they ought to know. Um, And two, like there's still the point that there's a lot of people out there that don't have much money, you know? And uh, it's like with the, it's like, like, if you go, the neutrality thing, if you looked at kind of worldwide, it, a lot of people don't really get it. And the reason they don't get it is because, like, um, here in Asia, for example, particularly in Southeast Asia, uh, where incomes are are very low. Like, people are on, you know, dollars, dollars a day. Um, there's a lot of people that have phone service where, for example... Um, they get Facebook for free or they get WhatsApp for free, or or basically it, it it's it's um zero rated, I think is, is the term for it. But basically it, it's violating net neutrality blatantly. Right? Mm. But yeah. the net result is there are people getting online that would never be able to afford to to get online. Like, is is that yeah. a bad thing? Um and and I kind of felt I mean, reproached because I think in that podcast, I was I got too wrapped up in the rich person view. Of I want privacy protected. I want to buy nice things. Um, why are people being so cheap? But some people are cheap by choice. Some people are choice by necessity.
1: Yeah, that that's fair. But no one would pay would pay fifty bucks less to get a computer that that compromises their credit card details, right? Like, sure, people might pay a little bit less for their internet service to get the ads, at least they're getting the choice. But if the cost of if the cost was put on if what they were buying was put on the sticker, no one would ever make that decision.
0: No, I, I agree. And again, to be clear, like what Netflix did, or what Netflix, what um Lenovo did or was wh- Why are you picking on Netflix? <laughs> what Lenovo did was 100 percent wrong. Um it's just it's interesting to think about the incentives and like where where are they where are they come from in, in the big picture. And um, I don't know. I guess more than anything, I wanted to acknowledge that I might have gone a little overboard in I wasn't blaming consumers, yeah. but I think it might have come across that way. But it's just, it's interesting to think about how all this stuff, how all this stuff plays together. And it, I think there's an argument to be made that the problem with modularity is the, if you only look at it from a price performance basis, the advantage of modularity is you drive competition in all these layers, right? And competition brings mm-hmm. down the price and brings up the performance. Mm-hmm. The problem though is uh, it does that through self interest. Right? The company wants to win. The problem is, is nowhere, nowhere in a modular system, who is representing the customer? Like, this, well, is, this is why I think at the end of the day, unless there's like a taskmaster at the top, so take like Apple, for example, right? You have all the supply chains modularized, but Apple at the mm-hmm. end of the day is approving or disapproving every single piece in that modular system. Mm-hmm. If you right. have a system that's purely modular, where everything is, is, is modularized or it's something like PCs where Microsoft, it's an open system where they, anyone can get a Windows license, right? Microsoft isn't certifying PCs. Um, if you're in that sort of system, who is, who is standing for the customer? No yeah, one is. And you want to say the market is, but we just talked about that people don't people aren't, aren't why should we expect people to have the knowledge to make these kind of decisions?
1: Well, the, the, the company that has the incentive to have got this right is Microsoft. And I don't know if they could um, foist onto uh, the OEMs the conditions that you will not tinker with the standard Microsoft installation in the same way that Apple kind of foisted on the carriers, um, you will not tinker with a standard iPhone. Well, Microsoft tried that with the phone, and it was a, huge, it was a, a
0: significant reason why the phone failed. Right,
1: like the phone. But that was no. But this, was true. Pretty, this but There was, were two good alternatives.
0: Well, when the phone first, when Windows Phone first came out, um, like Android was well on its way, but it wasn't like it was today. Where like at that time, the iPhone was still way ahead on apps. Right, like Windows Android was still pretty far behind. Um, like it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the impossibility it was today. But a big no. problem was Microsoft said you you have like they gave a very limited amount of customization. It was totally locked down, and they pushed it in like in. OEMs are like, well, how do we differentiate and carriers are like, no, we don't like no we we carriers have always wanted to own the customer experience no matter how bad they are at it.
1: Um and well you made the point though on this that the reason that Apple could get away with it is that there were customers de- clamoring for the iPhone and if they if the carrier didn't carry the iPhone as Apple wanted it to, then they'd end up getting screwed because the customer would go to a different carrier. I think the distinction here is that, I don't think for a lot of PC manufacturers, there's really a legitimate alternative to putting Windows on 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 the PC. So if Microsoft had said, uh, "Here's Windows, and by the way, you can't tinker with it," I I don't know if there was actually a lot they'd be able to. Yeah, do. Yeah, well, the Justice Department for one. Um, but that, yeah, but, but that's well, no, but just in like
0: this is the problem though. Like everyone wants to point to Microsoft as winning because of being open and mod- modularity. You can't then turn around and say they should be less open and less modular. Like, and so my, my broader point is, um, I, I just, I think it's, you see this sort of stuff happen. You see normal people kind of getting screwed. Um, I think you, mm. it's not just that an integrated, the more you control everything, the better experience it is. It's that the less you control everything, the worse it is. And that might sound tautological, but worse in like an actively worse way like harmful way not not yeah. in a less good way and, and you see something like Lenovo and this happened like this like i said i think if you look at the incentives in the big picture this was an inevitable outcome of the way pcs are structured as an industry and and
1: Mate. i'm a little yeah. and i
0: think it comes from the modularity that everyone thinks is so wonderful
1: but uh, when i think of modularity i i don't i i don't think about like you getting an OEM getting a chip from Intel and then opening up the chip and fiddling it so it displays ads and that's what we're arguing i think a modu- modularity is like okay different people provide different pieces of the puzzle and i think i think this model is there is pressure put on the seams of the model in, in such a way that that people will try and find ways of making money even if it if it, it even if it uh, Degrades the user experience, and I, I on this one I blame Microsoft. Now your DOJ point is well made, but I blame Microsoft for not saying this is the operating system you take it or you leave it. Adds no, but it.
0: this is you're you're this is like you're saying last week that today Android shouldn't be open source, even though. But but you have to put yourself back at the beginning. Like why why was it successful in the first place? Like. Microsoft succeeded and came to dominate everything by running on everything, by supporting everything, by going everywhere, and by doing that, one, it 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 was great for customers because it supported everything. But two, that's what commoditized everything underneath Microsoft was by. But what, I'm
1: not arguing. I'm not arguing against that. But, I'm not but, arguing but, that they shouldn't work everywhere or it should support less hardware. I'm saying the OEM shouldn't be able to tinker with a standard Microsoft. But this, that's
0: the same thing. Like by by forbidding tinkering quote unquote, you are you're putting in limitations and putting in guides and and my like that's becoming less open and less less everywhere. And it's the same thing the same argument about, about Android. I'm just I'm pointing out that you it's more of like be aware of what you're arguing. If you say that the Microsoft strategy or the Android strategy is superior by being open and by open I don't just mean open source, just open and that anyone can use it and put on their on their stuff. Like the, the inevitable outcome that both Microsoft and Google were very much aware of and pursued is the commoditization of, of the compliments, of all the stuff that runs their stuff. And the end game of commoditization is a race to the bottom. And once you get to the bottom, there's a lot of muck down there and, and nasty stuff's going to come out.
1: Granted. No, I, 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 I get what you're saying, um, I don't feel like I'm being hypocritical in saying that Microsoft, I I totally think that Microsoft should work on all the various pieces of hardware and they should sell to whoever, but I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that as part of selling to someone an OEM that there's a license involved and the license states you can't, the user can install whatever they want, but you can't install anything on top of it. Is that unreasonable? Um. Well, one, it's a, it's
0: obviously it's 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 not legally permissible. But two, okay, um, that's a problem. <laughs> Fair. But two, like I mean, again, it, it's like Microsoft should have built their business one way and then halfway done a complete one eighty and changed the the nature, like done a bait, bait and switch basically. Um, and I, and. The reality is is Windows from the beginning has formulated from a business perspective and from a product perspective to be a separate component from the PC that it's built on. The way Microsoft is is combating this is Mm. two respects. One, they have the Signature Series, which is basically PCs that have an additional Microsoft guarantee. It's a Microsoft Signature. It's like a a certification program, basically, that they don't have any extra Mm. crap on them. And those Mm. tend to cost $5,200 more than their equivalent that aren't Microsoft Signature. And two, Microsoft is now making their own hardware, and and in both cases, it's it's going it's integrating more, right? Yep. And and I I just well, what I what yeah. I, what I like about this, what I find interesting from a theoretical perspective, is I think it's tangible evidence. The the one thing I've, I've had uh, in my original piece is I thought the the link between saying that integration produces better user experience, it was a little ethereal. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't concrete, like there weren't concrete examples, but I think this is it. This is a great concrete example of where integration provides a superior user experience.
1: So I'm not actually, I'm actually not sure I agree. And the parallel I would draw is that this is, this would be the equivalent. I, I don't, don't take the analogy too far. I'm just trying to use it to illustrate an equivalent scenario. It's like a socialist saying capitalism doesn't work because, um, uh, a capitalist market hasn't regulated to stop um hasn't regulated to stop companies dumping pollution and that's what i would that's the parallel I would draw here. Microsoft is allowing companies the oEMs to dump pollution they're they're the equivalent like they have the ability to create regulation and if you create a properly regulated modular market, then actually it can work incredibly no, well but, but and but the I,
0: problem though is microsoft sells Microsoft sells windows like yes. once they sell it to an OEM like if i sold you something can i then after the fact go in and like tell you what what to do with it like that that that's that's i find that like there's
1: lots of people who are definitely that's, strongly that's the basis of every license agreement for every piece of software that i buy like that's exactly what they do they tell me what i can and can't do with it
0: well i mean <laughs> do you think that's a good thing that you can pay money for something and then not have full utilization of it?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I ask that of any person who's tried to jailbreak their iPhone. Well, uh, I think that
0: any limitations against jailbreaking are are are, are a bad
1: thing. I mean, I, okay, that's fair. I would and, 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 I'm,
0: that. and I'm super confused now because you're the one that wants to completely abolish copyright like
1: like i want to abolish copyright i never said that i would abolish licensing agreements and that's what this would be they're very different things
0: <laughs> okay uh <laughs> I, I i mean i i find it fascinating that you would support abolishing copyright copyright while simultaneously support a software vendor being able to after the point of sale uh
1: Control or limit what? Well, no, it. it's not after the point of sale; it's at the point of sale. I can choose. Like someone says, "I'm selling this to you, and I'm entering into a contract with you. Do you agree or do you not? Yes or no." And I click yes. Fine. That's one thing. Like a a government created rule that implies that for everything, where like that's that's actually quite different.
0: Okay. Um, well, the, 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 the fine. The fact remains. Um, one thing that's interesting is when you know when, and there's lots of stuff that flowed from this. When uh, when the PC got started, uh, the one with power was IBM, right? And so Microsoft was in no place to put any sort of conditions on their software. Uh yes. And similarly, Intel. Um, and actually, it w- the Intel. The whole reason, like, why AMD exists is because uh, with the 286, um, which was the second like the first of the 8808, which was the the original IBM PC was built on it. But then with the 286, which Intel built to have, that was the first one where they knew the 386 and the forty six and the Pentium and so on and so forth would use the same instruction set so they'd be backwards compatible. That was the first one that was like Mm. that. Um, And IBM forced them to license it to AMD uh, because they wanted to have two sources of chips. And that's the reason why AMD was able to, why they're still around, but why they were able to do around and it and actually put a real scare on Intel around, around the turn of the century. Um, and so the point, this gets back to like how the PC got started, right? From the beginning there, Microsoft had no power. And I, I, I yeah. I'm once that's, that's in place, once that model is in place, um,
1: it, I, I, yeah, no, your point is well made that that perhaps what I'm suggesting assumes they had power all along and it's actually something that, that gradually crept up over time. It, I, I I guess I would say that at the point at which they recognized they had that power, though, they could have exercised it to do something like what I'm describing. Fair enough. Although once they had the power, then they were legally
0: forbidden from doing so. so.
1: Yes, which is also a very good point.
0: Okay, well... Um, this has been interesting. I think it's, a, I think it's appropriate we have a unsatisfactory end because I think the whole point is that a lot of this stuff is unsatisfactory and and that that that's okay like getting to the point where you know there's something it, it, like if you want to get liberated from grayness and unsatisfactoriness it's it's just know the tradeoffs you're making and and then it's okay like this, if it stuff happens that you wish wouldn't happen at least you understood why it happened you know there's something i like, I, I try to do this in my life, and it's, it's the best advice I give is try to always make explicit decisions. Right, mm. like know know mm. what you're choosing and what you're trading off whenever you do something, and and then when and, and just don't let stuff happen.
1: Yeah, I, I the decision by omission. I, I I I I think that is fantastic advice. So um, on this week's episode of Ask Ben, uh, we'll wrap it up there, <laughs> and James agrees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, james doesn't always agree to be fair yeah, uh, um. <laughs> it would be quite boring if i did yes, indeed um okay well uh i think we can agree
0: to wrap it up there though yeah i th- i i think you're right all right uh, so i will um talk to you uh i'll talk to you in a, in a couple weeks sounds good safe travels all right, talk to you later